0: So this morning, as we continue our look into this passage, uh, we're going to be looking at how God has uniquely gifted each one of us to serve in the body of Christ. Last week, we introduced this idea of God uniquely imparting to us gifts from him that are to be used in ministry towards one another And that he has designed his body in a certain way that each person that belongs to Jesus has a critical place in the body of Christ. It is God's design. And he has placed each one of you in a special way. Like the inside of a mechanical watch. Right? All these little pieces. All these gears, all the teeth on the gears, all those kinds of things. Each one of those little pieces needs to work the way that it was designed for the watch to keep time. So as it is with the body of Christ. Each one of us needs to understand our giftedness. The way that God has designed us. So that we can be used within the larger body of Christ. In a way that impacts and strengthens the body Because if we don't use our gifts, the body is weak. The body is not able to fulfill uh, the design that God has made for it. Our usefulness is a gift of God. Meaning that apart from God's gracious work on our behalf, we cannot serve and function the way that we ought to. It's a gift from Him. The Apostle Paul referred universally to our ability to serve in the body of Christ as exercising our gifts. We looked at this passage last week in Romans 12 when he says... For through the grace given to me, verse 3, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think it so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. We function in this body, not thinking highly of ourselves, not putting ourselves on a pedestal, thinking I'm better off or I'm doing more, but that each one of us has a critical place. And really, the attitude that we have then is one of humility that says only because of God's grace can we use the gifts that God gives us, not for our own benefit, but for someone else. According to the grace. Given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. The doctrine that defines this truth is referred to as the doctrine of spiritual gifts. What I'd like to do this morning is dig a little deeper into what spiritual gifts are, how to know what gifts we have, and as a result, how to exercise our gifts to strengthen the body of Christ. How many of you like to exercise? Right? Exercise is repetition. It's it's an act of the will to engage whatever activity is in front of us. And we know in the the context of our own bodies, exercise is for our benefit. And so if it is a goal of yours to... um, lower your heart rate to gain stamina all those things right you set a goal and you find exercises now me it's not my favorite thing to do it really isn't we have an elliptical downstairs that i have to dust off every time i want to use it um you know a couple of weeks ago i mentioned I, I bought a bike but it has a battery it does the work for me <laughs> right it's that that's my kind of exercising um, you know, But it's this idea, like, you have to have the goal. You have to have the determination to understand what is ahead of you and then repetitively chase after it so that you can gain the benefit that is there. So we're going to look a little deeper in this passage. As verse 6 indicates in Romans 12, our gifts are a result of God's grace. Now, in verse 6, when when Paul writes... Since we have gifts, the word gift that he uses is, is from the Greek word charisma. And at the heart of that word charisma is the word charis. And that word charis in the Greek is grace. That's what the word means. And when Paul says that we have these gifts, what he's inviting us to see is what we have to exercise, what has been given to us is a result solely upon God's grace. Without His grace, we would not have an ability to serve each other in the church. Now, that should cause in us a spirit of humility. It should. What you have to give to the body of Christ is a result of God's gift to you, not of yourselves. These gifts that we're talking about don't come from us. They're not developed because we can harness its power. The gifts that Paul is introducing to us this morning are a gift from him, given to him at a specific point. And they're given for the reason so that we can be useful in the body, not for our own gain, but in a very practical way for the person sitting next to you or across the aisle or behind you or in front of you. These gifts are for the other person. God does not gift so that we benefit. These are grace gifts, but they're not for us. They're for his body. God gifts children with spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ benefits. Now, I want to offer a technical definition, and this isn't super technical. It's not wordy. It's not lengthy uh, of what a spiritual gift is so that we all have a frame of reference to what the scriptures are teaching when we refer to what is spiritual gifts. Very basically, um, spiritual gifts are the God-given ability to serve the body of Christ. That's what they are. They're God-given. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents or abilities that are refined. Like I'm trying to refine certain abilities in my life, like hitting the golf ball straighter. I'm trying. It's not working out very well. Some of you are very skilled in different ways. And while your talents and gifts are based on the way that God made you, let's remember that, right? We don't, we don't become talented or skilled based on our own. God in our DNA makes us a certain way. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet those gifts and talents aren't necessarily what spiritual gifts are because the spiritual gifts are to benefit the body as a whole. Our gifts and talents often benefit us. They're an exercise of the way God made us so that we can enjoy life and to impact the world around us. But when it concerns our place in the body of Christ, you all need to understand that God has placed you where he has for a specific reason, and that is to benefit or help another person or the body as a whole. I mean, if you're sitting here thinking this morning, how on earth could God use someone like me? Do you ever think that? Different ministry needs come up, or you're looking at the way that certain people were serving in ministry and think, oh, God can never do that in my life. Or you might think, even if he could use someone like me, There's too much baggage in my life. You know, if I look at my past and where I came from, how would God ever use someone like me? Or you might think, well, even if I could do that, I I couldn't do it as well as that person. Because they really seem to, to shine when they serve in that way. Well, can I just encourage you this morning and maybe blow some fresh air into yourselves and say that God wants to use you. He does. Not only does He want to use you, He has given everything that you need to serve Him right now. He's put that in you. That's what spiritual gifts are. They're God-given ways that we can serve in the body of Christ. He gives them. We don't ask for them. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to do anything but believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Understanding what spiritual gifts are and how to use them should be a primary concern for you as a child of God. The scriptures are clear that everyone has at least one spiritual gift. At least one. Likely others. And you are to use those gifts in the body of Christ. They're not to be used outside of the the body of Christ. It's not like I can use my spiritual gifts in the secular world. They're not meant for that reason. Spiritual gifts are specifically to be used within the context of us so that we are strengthened. The ministry of the church is strengthened. Ultimately, with Christ as the head, the body is stronger. Now, verse 6 infers this idea that we all have spiritual gifts. In Romans twelve six, do you see what Paul just assumes? Since we have gifts... That's all he says. He's writing to the church in Rome. He doesn't say to the church, so the leaders have gifts or the more mature have gifts or the people that have understood the doctrines that we have discussed for 11 chapters, if you you have all that figured out, then you get this. He just makes the natural assumption that as the reader is listening to these words, they're going to hear from his pen these words, since we have gifts. We've got them. Not that we will get them, but that we have them already. And some of you this morning might be thinking, that's great about spiritual gifts, but I've I'm really just being introduced to this concept for the first time, and I've been a Christian, I think, for a while. And here's the thing. You've had your spiritual gifts likely longer than you thought. They're already in you. Now you need to figure out what they are. And now you need to exercise them. We also see in in, in another passage, there, there are really three main passages on spiritual gifts that you can look at to kind of get a better understanding of what they are. Romans 12 is one of them. 1 Corinthians 12 is one of them. And 1 Peter 4 is is one of them. And we're going to look at highlights from these two other passages. But in First Corinthians twelve eleven, we read, "But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills." But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. Now, just to go back to verse 11, when he says, but one and the same spirit works, all these things distributing to each one individually, that refers to the passage that we read last week in first Corinthians 12, when Paul was talking about the body and said, there's an eye and there's an ear and there's a foot. And we're all trying to figure out what place we have in the body and can the foot be like the eye and should the eye want what the ear does and all those things. And Paul says, no, just be who you are. Be who God has made you to be in the body of Christ. Don't worry about being like someone else. Don't worry about trying to figure out what they're doing and achieving what their giftedness is. Be who God has made you to be. That's how the body is to be functioning. Because the ear needs the eye to do certain things and the eye needs the foot to do certain things and the hand needs the foot to do certain things. Each body part is dependent on the other so that the body can be moving the way that it was intended to move. And Paul here says in 1 Corinthians 12 that it's the spirit Work, does working these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. So who, give, who gives you your spiritual gift? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, just as He wills. It's His will. It's His desire. This highlights the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in the distribution of spiritual gifts. And it is my conviction based on the testimony of these verses and others that we are given our spiritual gifts at the moment of our salvation. They are not something that we develop later on because if it's the Holy Spirit's will to distribute the gifts, the Holy Spirit comes into a believer's life at the moment of their salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer and we are sealed in the spirit as as a pledge of the inheritance of what is to come. And as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in a believer's life and empowers the believer, the Holy Spirit also gifts the believer to use gifts to strengthen the body as the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. Without you using your gifts, we are lacking. We're weaker. The body is not as strong as it could be. But it also reminds me of this it reminds me of God's grace in that He will use each child as He determines. This is a work of God's grace. You know, all those questions that I mentioned a few minutes ago, how could God use someone like me? Why would he use someone like me? I don't measure up. I'm not, as, I'm not like this person or that person. When you have those questions, can we just squash them in the moment and say, you know what, the questions may abound because apart from the work of Christ, I do feel utterly worthless But because of Christ, I have immense worth and value. And part of my worth and value determined by God is that he has gifted me so that I can serve him and my brothers and sisters, that I could strengthen his body, not by what I do, but what God does through me because they are spiritual gifts by nature. Now, while the majority of texts on spiritual gifts come from the pen of the Apostle Paul, we do learn something about them from the pen of Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we read these words, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified and through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you see Peter's assumption like we saw Paul's assumption in Romans 12? As each one has received a special gift. It's just plain. It's there. It's in the text so clear for us to see as each one has received a special gift. Each one. Not the select few. Not those who have certain degrees. Not those who have served so long. If you are in Jesus Christ right now, you are the each one. You may not know what they are today but I want you to know you have gifts as each one has received a special gift. The result of what he says is each one has a gift and then what? Employ it. Employ it in serving one another. The word employ means to serve or minister, exercise it. Even if you don't like exercising like me, Use your gifts. That's the natural spiritual progression. We have them, use them. Not we have them, I used to use them, and now I'm doing something else. Or we have them, I tried using them, it didn't work out very well, so I stopped using them. We have them, use them. Now, for some of you, as you are learning, maybe for the first time, that God has gifted you in a unique way, um, I I just want to encourage you now. We all know. We're all in the circle of accountability. We all have gifts. Now it's up to us to figure out what they are and use them to serve and minister in the body of Christ. But Peter also mentions something else about the characteristic of the spiritual gifts. In verse 11, we're, we're opened up to the, or, or, or brought into the understanding that these gifts that we're to employ really concern two main categories in the, the body of Christ. Do you see that? Speaking gifts, speaking the utterances of God, whoever speaks, And what else? Serving gifts. Whoever serves, serve by the strength of God. So when you look at the list of gifts, you see that that Peter is saying that these gifts really fall into kind of two main categories. Speaking gifts, serving gifts. Now, some have parsed it and said there's a third category of, you know, there's spiritual, spiritual gifts, those kind of things. But when you look at them really plainly, they fall into these two categories, And we also understand that the gifts that he's referring to are spiritual gifts, because look at what he says about speaking. If you speak, if you have a speaking gift, if you're employing that speaking gift, do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Oh, my word. What accountability in that, right? When you speak and use the gifts that that focus in speaking, and we'll talk about some of those in a few minutes, You're speaking as if God speaks when you exercise this gift. Kind of like what I'm doing right now. Yikes. There's a huge responsibility with it. And that is why elsewhere in Scripture it says that if you're a teacher, you incur stricter judgment. Because the things that you say when you exercise the gifts that God has given you so that you can strengthen the body and be used on His behalf bring a scrutiny with it. Because why? what you say and teach has the ability to affect and impact God's people and sway them. You have to be careful. And you might say, oh my, if I ever find out I have the spiritual gift of teaching, I'm never going to tell anyone because I don't want that. But you know what? There is a reward in it. Oh my, there's a reward in it. As you use these gifts... And we talked about this last week. When we find out what our gifts are, we don't hide them under a bushel. Because as we looked at in 2 Corinthians 5.10 last week, we will give an account for how we use our gifts. We will stand before Jesus when he catches us up in the air to be with him. And he will ask us how we used our gifts now. And if we say, well, you know, I, Jesus, I, I figured out what they were. I was just afraid to use them. What's he going to say to that? Right? Now, that judgment isn't about eternity. It's about rewards for what is to come. And so I want you to understand that when we talk about these gifts and you learn more about these gifts, don't be afraid of the gifts. They're spiritual and if they're spiritual gifts and you figure out what they are, who's going to give you the ability to use them? The spirit that gives them to you. He's giving you everything that you need to exercise them, to strengthen the body of Christ. So now that we know what a spiritual gift is, now that we know why it is necessary, and generally the categories that they fall in, whether they are speaking or serving gifts. I want us to take a moment and learn about some of the individual gifts, some of them. We're going to look at Romans 12 as the primer, because there is a list of gifts given in Romans 12. So if you have your Bibles, we're looking at verses 6 through 8. Now, this passage is not exhaustive. You're not going to read Romans 12 and find all the gifts. You're not going to read 1 Corinthians 12 and find all the gifts. I don't believe the Scriptures are meant to give us the exhaustive. They're giving us an understanding of what these gifts are. And Paul highlights a few of them. Let me read this passage for you in Romans 12, 6 and following. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, We are to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see those gifts? So let's look at what these mean first one is mentioned is prophecy i believe the gift of prophecy is still active today some of you might be like oh no where are you going with this but let's talk about what prophecy or a prophetic word means in this context prophecy is not a gift that refers to something like saying things that are brand new like isaiah and Jeremiah, like that kind of prophet saying, okay, God gave me a word and I'm going to give you that word. And it might be something brand new. And that happens today. Some people misunderstand that gift today in the church and they're confused by it. And they stand on behalf of God and say things that are contrary to his word. But they say, I have the gift of prophecy and he told me to say these things. No, this, this gift of prophecy is not something about something new But what do prophets do? They proclaim warnings over people. When you read in the Old Testament about God causing all these prophets to rise up, what did they do? They warned God's people about the danger of not following his word. What is the gift of prophecy? It's the ability to use God's word in someone's life to bring it to them in a way of a warning, to caution them to stop. Because danger is coming. Paul says, do so in proportion of your faith. Now, I believe a better translation of his faith in Romans twelve six is the faith. Because in the Greek, in the original, there is a definite article before the word faith. So what Paul is saying is if you have the gift of prophecy, the the God-given ability to warn people with his word, you exercise it in proportion of the faith. What is the faith? What we know to be true about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exercise the gift of warning in light of the good news of the gospel. And so, if you have the gift of prophecy, exercise it. If you have the gift of serving, now, serving is a general range of serving in the body of Christ. It's the ability to give oneself up to the task, it's ministering to the material needs of another. We see in Acts chapter 6 the exercising of this gift as men were chosen in the early church to serve the widows that were in need in the early church in Jerusalem. If God has given you the gift, the spiritual gift of serving, He is spiritually enabling you to be aware of the needs that are around you and you are gravitating towards those needs to help people to strengthen people to help meet their day of trouble and so if you have the gift of serving use it if you have the gift of teaching teaching is being able to explain the truths of what god has revealed for the benefit of building up the body of christ It's building upon the declaration of the Word of God and communicating it in such a way that you are revealing the will of God and His Word to build up the body of Christ. The gift of teaching is not to be used as a bully pulpit. It's not to make people feel terrible just for the sake of feeling terrible. It's not using the Bible as a hammer To crush people. It's using the word of God within the context of the body of Christ. To strengthen and build up the body of Christ. Exhortation. Exhortation focuses on encouraging and bringing comfort. That's at the root of the word exhortation. It's the ability to come alongside the church and support people with the truth of God. These are the people that just find their way into your life in in a time of trouble. And you think, how did they end up in my life to encourage me and pray for me and hold me accountable and lift me up and and cheerlead me on this, this path that I'm on? Those are people that have the spiritual gift of exhortation to come alongside, to walk alongside. The gift of exhortation is a gift that will cause you to use up your time. There is no drive-by exhortation in the scriptures. You know, it's the, hey, you're having a bad day? How are you doing? I'll pray for you. Okay, see you later. <laughs> These are people that are divinely enabled to walk with the body of Christ through the darkest of dark times. And to be there when there are no words that can be said. Just to bring encouragement and comfort. Some of you know people like that. I know people like that. If you have the gift of exhortation, use it. Giving. Giving's the next one on the list. You know, giving is a spiritual gift, it really is. Giving means that God has gifted some with the ability to give in unique ways with liberality. You know what I mean by liberality, right? I've talked about this before. It's like if you have to paint something, you saturate that brush and you just cast it on and it's dripping down on whatever. But you know what? You're liberally, like you're not watering down the paint. You're not stretching the paint. You're not trying to figure out how to cut corners with it. You're just covering it with paint. To give with liberality means that you are more concerned about using up what you have for the cause of Christ, than keeping it for yourself. And there are some of you that have the gift of giving. And if you have the spiritual gift of giving this morning, use it for the body of Christ. There's a spiritual gift of leading. Leading is the ability to direct the body towards godly goals and purposes. Paul says, do so with diligence. Do so with diligence. Now, why would he say that we need to exercise the spiritual gift of leading with diligence? Because leading is hard, leading comes with pitfalls, with Not just pitfalls, but you hit a wall. The spiritual gift of leading is to be coupled with diligence so that you do not waver when difficulty comes. And when you have the spiritual gift of leading, you are committed to the way and plan and will of God, no matter what. Because I know this, as you exercise any of these spiritual gifts, There is an enemy that is coming after you. And so if you lead, do so with diligence. And then Paul wraps this up. And he says, mercy. Mercy is the ability to serve the needy. Seeking out the hurting. It's like exhortation. But it really focuses on... Uh, serving those that are hurting and needy with the desire of keeping the body healthy and unified. How, what is, how does Paul say to exercise the gift of mercy? With cheerfulness. Some of you know cheerful people. And you're probably thinking, I have to be like that? Yes. Yes. What does cheerfulness mean? Exercising the gift of mercy to help those in need to seek out the hurting is not a drudgery. It's not something that you're like, oh, I got this spiritual gift of mercy and man, I have to help again. And they just walk all over me. Using the spiritual gift of mercy means that you're not keeping score. You know what that's like, right? Well, I help them so when I'm in need, they'll help me. Or, hey, I helped them before. They should have it figured out by now. The spiritual gift of mercy means that you spend yourself for the sake of people and you do it cheerfully. You're not complaining all the while at the difficulty that serving people that are in need brings. And it does bring difficulty. It will challenge your heart, it'll challenge your mind, it, it'll cause you to, to really look inside of you to make sure that how you're serving and what you're doing is not coming from selfish motives, but from selfless motives. And when you serve this way, you do it with cheerfulness because you're not just doing it for the person, you're doing it for the cause of Christ, as Christ is head. So that's the list that Paul gives Um, How many of you did not get a bulletin insert? Can you just raise your hand if you don't have a bulletin insert? Okay, Levi, can you do me a favor? If you see any hands raised, I want you to hand one of these out. So Nancy's going to make you walk all the way back to the... No. So if you have your list, you can look at it now. So this this list came from uh, some... Information that I came across. I mean, there's all sorts of lists, but this comes from Lifeway, uh, Christian Resources, Lifeway, you know, the bookstore Lifeway. Uh, This was uh, compiled in 2003. Uh, This is just a list and description of the different gifts. We don't have time to look at all these gifts. We don't have time to look at all the passages and explain all the things. But you have on the front and back. Uh, A list of the gifts. And what I'd like you to do is familiarize yourself of what these gifts are. This is part of you knowing what the gifts are so that you can exercise them in the body of Christ. Now, if you've ever come across a list of gifts, if you've ever done any spiritual gift kind of studies, you'll notice by looking at this list, there are some gifts that are not mentioned. They're not on the list. Now, some of those gifts are what we call the sign gifts. The sign gifts are the gifts of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, miracles, and healing. They're not on this list, but they're spiritual gifts that are mentioned in some of the lists as in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 in other places. So these gifts, these sign gifts, we believe as a church are not active today in the body of Christ. They are not gifts that we believe that we feel are useful for the edifying and strengthening of the body of Christ. What does that mean? Well, they were given for a specific time and period. They were given within the context of the early church. When you read in the book of Acts, how the gifts of tongues and healing And and miracles were used by the apostles and, and by those who served with the apostles. It was a declaration of the power of God within the message that they were preaching. That this is true and the church was born and growing. Paul writes about these gifts in 1 Corinthians. What's interesting about 1 Corinthians is it's one of the earliest letters that Paul will write to a church. So in the early part of the church, he writes a, a letter to the church cautioning them about a bunch of things. The church in Corinth was messed up. They were in trouble. There were factions. They were divided. And he spends a lot of time in his discussion in this letter about the proper use of some of the signed gifts, like tongues and the interpretation of tongues or prophecy, because those gifts were dominating the early church. You know what's interesting? Uh, when you read the later letters of Paul and the other apostles, the, the letters written later after the early letters, they don't talk about these gifts. Because it was like they, they just vanished in their usefulness. They weren't needed. The church was established. And so the, the miraculous gifts were not needed at a later time. And so as a church here, that's why we don't exercise these gifts. And in fact, in churches today that do exercise them, often they are misused or abused. And it's more about certain gifts than other gifts. And it creates this kind of chaotic existence. And so that's why we believe these gifts don't exist. Now, before we look at the ways of discovering our gifts, I also want to highlight something else about these gifts. If you look at the list that you have, you may say, I know for sure I don't have the gift of. Here's the thing, though. You may not have the gift of giving, but you are called to give with a cheerful heart. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but you are called by the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You may not have the gift of mercy, but in Ephesians 4, you are called to be kind to one another. Do you see that? Even if you don't have a spiritual gift, it doesn't mean that you can hang it on a hook and say, well, that's not for me. I'm just not going to go there. God didn't make me that way. No. In Christ, we are called to exercise the one another's that he has called us to with love. And some of you are divinely enabled by God to use some of those things as a spiritual gift to strengthen the body. Like if you say, I don't have the gift of exhortation, and you see your brother or sister struggling with something you don't just walk by them and say well you know what i just can't do it now you got to pray yes you can say a kind word yes you can sit with someone these are things that we still need to do not having the gift doesn't negate the call of god to live this way It means that some in our midst have the God given ability to do certain things that specifically strengthen the body. So the question now is how do we know what our gifts are? I mean, if they are given at the time of our salvation, then how do we know what they are? How do we employ them? Because the writers of the New Testament just assume we know the gifts and we should be using the gifts. So how do we know? Well, I would say for many of you this morning, you may know there are gifts, but struggle with knowing what they are. I've heard you say that to me. Pastor, I really don't know what my spiritual gifts are. And that's part of our job, to encourage you, to equip you, to teach you in discovering what your gifts are. There are things we can do to have a better understanding of what our giftedness is. First, know the gifts. Great, you know the gifts. You know what they are. Second, Evaluate yourself What do I mean by that? Well, first you can take a spiritual gift inventory What is that? Well, spiritual gift inventory is a series of questions That you answer And there's directions given And at the conclusion of the test It can help you determine what your tendencies are Now what I've done for you on the sheet Is I put a QR code And Let's see if it shows up There's a QR code there So, it's nice and big if you have a smartphone, all you need to do is go to your camera app, shine it at the QR code, a website pops up, and it'll take you to the test. So you are allowed to play with your phone for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> so let's say you don't have a smartphone, nor, or if you do, you have no idea how to turn your camera on. Some of you are showing your cameras and I'm like waving and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Let me get out of the way. So if you don't, I have 14 copies of the paper test that you will take online. I only have 14. So act now in the first 14 people. Now, we'll see me after the church, church service and I'll make sure you get them. It's basically the same questions. There's instructions given. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you take the test, the test reveals tendencies. It may not determine exactly what your giftedness is. So what does that mean? Oh, and I love this point. I really love this point. The best way to discover your spiritual gifts is to serve in the body of Christ. That's the best way. You can have tendencies, and you can figure out, okay, maybe uh, I'm geared towards this, but you won't know for sure if you're sitting on the bench. The best way to discover how God has gifted you, and the gifts that he has given you, you will give an account for. The best way is to serve in the body of Christ. Now, what I've done is I've kind of given you like a fill-in-the-blank kind of thing, right? So you can fill in the blank if you choose to, if that helps you to remember. But the best way is to serve in the body of Christ. Be available. Don't hide your gifts. As you come to recognize how God has gifted you, be mindful of Paul's warning to Timothy in his letters. What did Paul tell Timothy? Timothy was a pastor that Paul had trained. Well, in 2 Timothy 1.6, we read this. For for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. What does that mean? Well, this passage calls us to fan the flame of our spiritual gift. Do you ever start a fire? Right? It starts out small. And what do you do? <sighs> you blow oxygen into it. So that it will grow. Kindle the gift that God has given you. Fan the flame of your spiritual gifts. 1 Timothy 4.14 Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Clear warning. Don't neglect your gifts. Be diligent in the matter of your spiritual gifts. Give yourselves wholly to them. If you know what your gifts are, stay in that lane and use them and spend yourself for the cause of Christ. So the best way to know your gifts is to serve. I would also say, Listen to the wisdom of godly people. As you are trying to figure out what your gifts are, listen to the wisdom of godly people. As you serve the body of Christ, listen to how spiritual people encourage you and speak wisdom into your life. It's okay to try and fail. It is. I hope you heard me say that. But if if we all wanted proof of success first and then we will try, the body would be weak and afraid to serve. Don't be afraid to try and fail. And as you serve God, listen to the wisdom of godly people who are watching you in ministry, encouraging you. Understand that the more you exercise your gifts, the stronger they will become. They will. You have the gift at the moment of your salvation. You don't develop them much later on. It's not like, okay, I started with this gift and 10 years later, God gave me this gift. But as you use your gifts, they strengthen. It's not that you do anything to add to them, but you are refining the God-given abilities you have. Now, I believe that one of my gifts is teaching. And some of you are thinking, mm, no, I hope you all know that I have the, the gift of teaching. And I own that. I, I, I understand that. But I also know that it's been refined over 20 years of experience. Like, Lord, have mercy. If you ever meet anyone in my first church, thank them. <laughs> because they were so gracious and kind for me to develop these gifts. They really were gracious. I've also worked hard at it through learning and studying and applying and all those things. I've said it before. That the development of spiritual gifts takes time and you have to be ready for the investment of time. As I said last week. your spiritual gifts do not expire. Right? It's not like that jar of mayonnaise in your refrigerator. They don't expire. You have them until the Lord Jesus calls you home. How you use them, when you use them, may change over time, but they don't expire. Finally, concerning the use of your spiritual gifts, whatever they are, Whatever your gifts are, no matter how many you have, spiritual gifts must always be exercised with the attitude of love. How many of you know 1 Corinthians 13? Oh, what a neat passage. And not just because it's read at a lot of weddings, 1 Corinthians 13 amazingly follows what is said in 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, we have the the list of the body that we read last week. Spiritual gifts, what they are, how the Holy Spirit has given them to us. Paul concludes his discussion in, in chapter 12 in verse 31 with these words but earnestly desire the greater gifts and i show you a still more excellent way what's that excellent way First corinthians 13, 1 corinthians 13:1 if i speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love i have become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. "...love is kind and is not jealous, love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth." bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And then Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child and then he grew up. But what's the point to all this? You can have all the gifts, Which you can't, but let's say you had all the gifts. If you didn't have love, they're worthless. So let me say to you this morning whatever gifts you have, number one, love Jesus first and love his bride. And as you love his bride, use your gifts. If you saw in that illustration of what love really is, it's all about the other person, it's not about ourselves the spending of your spiritual gifts is not for you, it's for the other person. Now this is a great passage to read in a wedding, but it's not about a marriage. It's about the exercising of your spiritual gifts. So have this attitude to exercise them with selfless love. And may God be glorified. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the These moments together in your word, we thank you for the challenge to use the gifts that you have given us. We are grateful, God, that they are a gift of your grace. It's not something that we earn. It's not something we achieve on our own. But Father, we are grateful that each one of us is placed into your body in a unique and special way. And so, Father, I pray right now you would help us and challenge us and encourage us to use the gifts as we now understand the gifts so that your body would be stronger and healthy and active. And Father, that we would do so with an attitude of love because Lord, it doesn't matter what we do. It matters more how we do it. And so God, work in our hearts. Help us to understand your love more and more and be glorified in our midst. And we look forward to how you will strengthen us for your glory. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to call an audible. And the music team is already nervous. What we're going to do now for communion is we're just going to transition right into communion and then we'll close with our last song. As we think about the Lord's table in these moments that we have we've been talking about gifts and the way that God has made us and the way that God wants to use us. Um, And and that's certainly a, a wonderful thing. But let us never forget the primary gift. The gift of Jesus. The amazing gift of Jesus coming to the earth to take our place on Calvary's cross. Uh, This morning as we think about the Lord's table and and what it means to draw close, we do so with the anticipation that we celebrate this table until the Lord returns. We acknowledge that our Savior died as the payment for our sins so that we can be forgiven and united with Him forever. We do so not lightheartedly, Listen, communion isn't just something we do every two months because that's what we do here at the church. We do so to commemorate the Lord's death. And as we do so, we heed the warning of the Apostle Paul to examine our hearts. It's not that we take this table in perfection. We're not perfect. That's why we have a Savior, But we examine our hearts because we know that the Lord's death was for a purpose to pay for our sins and for us as the children of God to take this table in a haphazard manner and to just go through the motions is to say to what Jesus did on the cross was really not that important. And so we examine our hearts We ask God's Spirit to reveal to us the areas of our lives today that we need to confess. And as we confess it, we don't live in the darkness and shame anymore. What do we do? We come to the light and we claim the freedom of forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. And so what does this table also do for us? It reminds us that we are set free and we celebrate God's faithfulness. And so let's pray and just ask God to just quiet our hearts for these moments as we prepare to celebrate his table. Father,